0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a series that I think is our fourth week in this series, called Discipled. And um, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If you call yourself a Christian, then you have to accept That, guess what, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you say, I'm a Christian, then you can't say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not his disciple. Because that would be an oxymoron. you got to say, okay, if I'm a Christian, then I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who has chosen to believe in Jesus' teachings and has chosen to say, I'm going to follow you. In this series, we are searching for the truths that Jesus revealed to his followers. Truths that impacted the way they lived everyday life. It impacted the way they lived in the marketplace. It impacted the way they they lived at their school. It impacted the way they lived at home. Ooh, touching somewhere there. Many people are passive in their Christianity, but Jesus never called us to be passive. He called us to be active. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus makes this very clear when he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That doesn't sound like a passive statement. That sounds like a very active statement. Take up your cross and follow me. It's an act of obedience for you. For some of you, when I just shared the word obedience, all of a sudden just chills came down your spine. You know, because you're, all of a sudden these memories of your mom saying, will you go clean your room and, and obedience? And, and there's something about that word obedience where all of a sudden we kind of sometimes struggle with that thought. Now, some of you are great rule followers. Thank you. For the rule follower. If you're a rule follower out there, just raise your hand. Thank you for being a rule follower. Yeah, a lot of you, yeah. Okay, for the rest of you that didn't raise your hands. Pray for you. Amen. There's something where all of a sudden, where someone says there's a rule that I have to follow, and all of a sudden there's just something in you that says, hey, wait a minute. There's, there's my freedom of choice, man. I don't have to do all those things. And, and it, you start breaking out in a cold sweat. and we don't like, Some of don't like the word obedience. Because we want to do whatever self desires. Denying self is not easy. Some of you experienced that during the Daniel fast. Some of you went through 21 days in the Daniel fast, and it was a struggle because you were denying self. Some of you stopped having coffee. Whoa. Some of you stopped eating sugar. How many love sugar out there? I know it's not good for you, but we love it. Some of you, some of you gave up bread. I one one person was telling me, "That Pastor Tom, you're telling me I'm not going to eat bread. How how can I make it without bread?" And all of a sudden, we start to experience, man, this denial of self is difficult. You want Pastor Tom's difficulty? It's rounding the ninth hole going into the tenth hole by the snack shack when I'm golfing. and I know that there's a hot dog there at San Juan Hills uh, Golf. There's a hot dog that I love, and it's so good. I don't know if it's just because I'm golfing and I'm hungry, but there's something there. And driving by that and not stopping to get my hot dog, all beef hot dog with mustard, and they give you onions and jalapenos, and you put, oh, my goodness, that was a struggle. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now, some of you are living under guilt because you caved in and you had coffee, you had sugar, you had bread. Be free of your guilt. You're absolved today, okay? Just. But fasting demonstrates how difficult it can be to deny self of what it desires. That's what really fasting, it's difficult to deny self of what we want and what we desire. For me, it was so exciting to see how many participated this year in the Daniel fast, I think it was by far the most participants we've ever had. And the testimonies that were coming from that were so good. Spiritually, people have grown, taken the next step. You say, oh, man, I can do this. Because, see, when we, when, we, when we struggle, guess what? And we learn to be obedient in the midst of the struggle. Paul says it builds up perseverance in our life. Perseverance is a good thing, guys learning how to persevere through troubles, difficulties, struggles, not giving in to that that self that always wants to take charge. It's a reminder when God speaks to us, we need to obey, even if it goes against our own desires. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? One of my favorite movies is uh, Open Range. And it's with, um, who is it with? Uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, someone here. The other was so seen that too. Is it Robert De Niro? Robert De Niro, Kevin Costner. It's a great movie. It's one of the best, uh, oh, I should probably say this as a pastor. But if you like the westerns, you like the good shootouts, it's one of the best at the end of the movie. You, it, has to take, it takes a while to get there, but once you get there, oh, wow, it's really, really, really good. But it's a funny, there's a funny part at the very end of that movie where all of a sudden this old western guy that's never been married he's probably in his 40s and as he finds this woman who's never been married and she's she's a, I think they call him a spencer or she's been no, never been married and she's probably in her 40s and and they end up getting married and but they're both you know so they've been both so set in their ways and 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 you know They've been individuals. They never had to all of a sudden co-mingle and and share things and do things together. And they're both on horses as they're riding off. He's going off in to go get some cattle. And and she's riding with him for a part of the way. And it started getting dark. And all of a sudden, he looks, Kevin Carson looks at her and says, okay, it's time for you to get home. It's getting dark. I don't want you to lose sight of the the village. Go home now. And she just stares there with her her eyes looking at him in love. and, And so he says, no, I'm serious now. Go home. And and all of a sudden, he looks, he goes, how is this going to work if you don't do what I say? It's one of the best lines in the movie. I'm going, yes, I get it. This independence. But Jesus says, man, you call me Lord, Lord, but yet you don't do what I ask you. You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. See, our foundation must be built on his word and not on ourselves. We need to listen to the word of the Lord and obey. Amen. There's an old, old song. Every once in a while I break into these old songs and that goes like, where did that come from? I said, babe, they're deep into my soul. Amen. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That, that's good stuff right there, guys. I know it's old and some, everybody under 40 had no idea what I was just saying. I get that. But that's truth, trust, and obey. There really is no other way. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to learn how to trust and obey. The call to obedience will be different for each and every one of us. I'm not referring to morality, but what I'm, calling, what I'm referring to is what God wants from each and every one of us. What God calls me to do, what God calls you to do, can be very different. But our common duty is obedience. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, obedience to his word. Today I want to share with you a teaching that comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles or if you have uh, your devices that you hold your Bible in, uh, I encourage you just to open those up and just stay in Matthew chapter 6 because we're going to be just going through this word. It's one of Jesus' teachings. It's, it's a famous teaching. Uh, it's when Jesus is walking and he's on the side of a mountain. And he just sits down and he begins to teach. And it's gotten, the, state, it's gotten the, uh, the name of called being called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a powerful teaching. is chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus' words. For the Gentiles, meaning unbelievers, for the unbelievers seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first, say that with me, but seek first the kingdom of God Man. and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your promises that when we read your word and when we Allow it to penetrate into our heart, into our lives. Lord, it will not return void. And so, God, today I pray it will speak to us, uh, each of us individually, uh, what we need to hear, Lord God. Uh, because, Lord God, we are your disciples. We have chosen to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity. Last week I shared on how God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. This week, I want to just focus on how we should seek God. As Jesus states in the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I believe one of the attributes that we should develop in our life is simplicity. Simplicity. I don't want you to equate that statement with laziness or an opposition to education or a pursuit towards Poverty. To me, simplicity merely creates a greater opportunity for focus. I'll say it again. To me, simplicity merely creates a greater opportunity for focus. It's choosing to live life free from distractions. Business people have discovered this truth. They have put in their Phones down. They have gotten rid of emails. They have discovered that you know what? If I remove distractions from my life, I can focus really, really strong on a couple different areas, and I could be very, very successful. When we start to remove distractions out of our life, and we start to focus on the kingdom of God first in our life, all of a sudden we're going to start discovering that we can be very, very su- successful in following Jesus. And all of a sudden, the power of His Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, takes a greater po- a, a, a position in our life because. We We are putting Jesus first. Someone say, Amen. Amen. To me, simplicity merely creates a greater opportunity for focus. Any of you struggle with distractions? Come on, let's be honest. Let's just get real, okay? How many of you have ever been talking to your mom or to your dad or to your child or to your brother or sister or Whatever, And and as you're talking, they're watching TV and they're also on their iPhone looking through social media. And then they're listening to your conversation as well. And you know, man, they're not focused. They're not engaged. My daughter Brittany calls me usually on a daily basis. She lives up in Edmonds, Washington. We start conversing, talking. She's still telling me stories about her job, her internship, different things, school. She's just sharing with me, and, and then all of a sudden she says, Dad, what are you looking at? Dad, what are you thinking about? Dad, what are you doing? Because all of a sudden she knows that I've been distracted by something because I'm no longer engaged in her conversation. She calls me out on it every single time. I can't get away with it. Uh-huh, yep, sure, sounds good. No, no, no. As soon as any, she knows I've disconnected from the conversation. And before you think I'm a horrible dad, guess what? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because she does the same thing to me. And I'll call her out. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? Distractions. This is what Jesus is sharing in the story. Don't become become so distracted with life that you miss out on the bigger picture of what really is important. God might be speaking to you, but you're so distracted about your career, your business, your social media, gaming, TV. There's no time to worship God. There's no time to actually hear from God. It's kind of like when when your wife is speaking to you and you're watching a football game and you're on your social media. It goes in one ear and out. What happens if God is speaking to you and you're not listening and it's going, and it's important? And he has truth to share with you. He has something that he wants to give to you. But you're not listening. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me right now. I'm getting blessed right now. I believe in this passage of scripture, Jesus is speaking to us about the importance of simplicity. And I want to focus on three statements Jesus made in 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 this teaching that I believe will help bring freedom into our lives. The first thing... That he shares in this is do not be anxious. Maybe your version says do not worry. Five times in that passage of scripture that I just read, he says do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not worry, do not worry, depending on your translation, do not be anxious. Anytime something is repeated multiple times within the Bible, it means that guess what? It's important. It's important. Jesus is making a point. Jesus said, don't worry. Your worries aren't going to add a single moment to your life. In fact, it will do the exact opposite. Worry and anxiety will actually steal from your life. Worry and anxiousness will only distract you from what Jesus is trying to do in you and through you. So stop worrying. Now that's easier said than done. When all of a sudden something hits you, man, it just kind of grabs a hold of you. You gotta cut that thing loose. But I'm just encouraging all of us today, let's strive to obey Jesus' teachings. Let's learn not to worry. I think it's one of the reasons that God implemented the Sabbath. From the very beginning, Genesis from the very beginning, Genesis, God created, God created, and then God rested. And not that God needed rest, He's omnipotent. But God broke a pattern at that point, and He did it for our sake, so we can model that we can't just work, 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 or work, and all of a sudden we lose track of who God is in our life. God gave the Sabbath a day of rest from work for the purpose of spending time with God. Among Christians, there's a debate if that Sabbath day is applicable to us today or not. And I would state that the principle, the principle of the Sabbath is important. Are you resting? Are you setting time aside to spend with God? Or you like that puppy? You know when you get a new puppy and all of a sudden they first discover their tail? And they, cha- they just go around in circles and circles. Hey, there's something new back then. They just keep going around and around in circles. They get dizzy, fall over, all that kind of stuff like I just did. Woo, I got dizzy all of a sudden. <laughs> Sometimes we live life that way. We're just spinning around in circles. And God says, stop. Rest. Spend time with me. To me, the Sabbath is a reminder for simplicity. Where our trust is not found in things, but our trust is found in God. That's good enough to repeat again. That our trust is not found in things, but that our trust is found in God. It's important that we don't make the Sabbath legalistic, though. Otherwise, we lose the meaning behind the Sabbath. It just becomes a day of rules instead of a day of rest where we should focus and worship God. When I state rest, I believe... It's the rest of mind more than even the rest of physic, our physicality. Maybe it's a walk on the beach where you're just focusing on Jesus. Maybe it's sitting on the back patio there with your word, the word of God open and a little bit of worship music. And you're just spending time with God. Whatever you do that can set time with God is so important. But always remember that the Sabbath is more than just a day that you set aside. Why do you say that, Pastor Tom? Because you can set aside a day for rest, but you can be so filled with anxiety and worry and concern and all these other things that are just filling your life, you can be sitting at home and just stewing. That's not a Sabbath. The Pharisees are probably the best known for their strictness in keeping the Sabbath, yet Jesus was not impressed by them at all. Why? Because it had become all about following rules instead of honoring God. Jesus performed many miracles on the Sabbath. In fact, there's seven of them. You can read it through Scripture. There's seven miracles that Jesus performed on the Sabbath. Seven is the number perfection. And it just drove the Pharisees crazy because he was breaking their rules. We'll get to it, but Jesus says, Hey, who made the rules? (laughs) See, Jesus performed many miracles on the Sabbath because it was for the purpose of honoring God, for glorifying God. He was bringing healing to the people who need physical healing, He was bringing healing to those who needed spiritual healing. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus said these words. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not for man, for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Meaning the Sabbath is meant to help us, not to hinder us. Rest from anxiety, rest from worry, rest from the cares of this world is found, and I want to say this, I want you to grab a hold of this, is found in Jesus alone. So if you're resting, which I encourage, but if you're resting without Jesus, you're not doing any good. Rest is not found in a day, rest is found in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 is a great passage of scripture that gives some insight on how we can find rest in Jesus. The Sabbath day did the Pharisees no good because they never put their trust in Jesus. They viewed their obedience to the law, catch this, they viewed their obedience to the law as their salvation. But as you and I know, salvation only comes through who? Jesus Christ. You want freedom from anxiety, and I want you to catch a hold of this because this is a word for some of you today that you need to grab a hold of. If you want freedom from anxiety, if you want freedom from worries, if you want freedom from sins, then put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the one that will free you from the anxiety, from the worries. You might take a day of rest, and you're so filled with anxiety, it actually does worse for you. But when you decide, okay, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, ah, now you can rest. Rest from the difficulties. He's your salvation. He's your the Apostle Paul writes these words in Colossians chapter 2, 16 and 17. He says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Rest. It's one of the things I've been kind of sharing with you guys. You know, when you read God's word, don't make it legalistic. Oh I got to read God's word today. Not that you shouldn't read God's word daily, but it should it should be not oh, I got to read God's word today, so oh, I get to read God's Word today. It's a desire in our heart when it becomes a desire for something it's like when you take a subject, you know I hated science, oh my gosh, I go to science, and I had to walk, but I loved history because history is just getting so much and I, but oh, and so. When I was passionate about something in school, I did really well. But when I wasn't, guess what? It was a difficult thing. When you become passionate about God's word, it starts to come alive in you and through you. It starts to change you. Second thought regarding the idea of simplicity is have faith. God is your provider. Throughout this teaching in Matthew 6, you find Jesus sharing that God is the one who provides for our lives. God provides for the birds of the air. He provides for the lilies of the fields. How much more valuable are you? You are valued. Jesus is coaching us not to make life more complicated than it needs to be. God is in control, and and he cares for you. It brings a quality of simplicity back into our lives. It's not that we don't need to work because the birds had to work to grab some food. But we don't need to worry about every little thing in life. Some of you worry about things that you have no control over. Stop it. You don't have control over the balloon that's flying over the United States, okay? So you don't need to watch for eight hours on Fox News or on CNN or whatever news station you use, NBC or what. You don't need to watch eight hours to wait for the balloon and watch it over. You have no control over that. Why are you doing that? Stop it. Jesus says, man, some things you just don't have control over. Won't you put your trust in me that my Father will provide? See, materialism is one of the greatest hindrances in our life. Jesus opposed the idea of having a materialistic mindset, making our life about things. Be careful with that, and especially when you're living in Orange County. We can make our life all about things. Because things only become a distraction from what's most important, our quest for the kingdom of heaven. Boy, I got quiet in this room. Jesus says, Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the Gospel of Luke, it simply states, blessed are the poor. It's been debated if Jesus meant the poor in reference to money or in, in poor in reference to humility. I think there's an argument for both cases. I used to struggle with the meaning of this verse. Does that mean that rich people can't enter into the kingdom of heaven? Why is that important? Because I think most of us are rich here today. In comparison to anywhere else in the world, I think you're Basically, you can be labeled rich. I know I'm not rich like my neighbor. Ah, yeah, that's comparison. I'm just saying the rest of the world, you're considered rich. And I used to struggle with the meaning of that verse. Jesus does say in Scripture, it's more difficult, but not impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Why is it more difficult? Because when we have wealth, we have the tendency to put our trust in wealth instead of putting our trust in Jesus. We have our tendency to put our trust in savings account or 401K or businesses instead of putting our trust in Jesus. By the way, those things can disappear in a heartbeat. You better have your pr- trust in Jesus. See, from the perspective of the poor, that scripture says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. From the perspective of the poor, they can't put their trust in materialistic things because they simply don't have them. They must find somewhere else to put their trust and hope. That's why he says, blessed are the poor. They, don't have, they have less distractions. Remember what Jesus told the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 when he came to Jesus? He said, how do I you know, enter into the kingdom of heaven? I've done all these wonderful things. I've, I've, you know, I've done this, and Jesus gave him some things. I've done this, I've done that, and done this. And he was kind of legalistic, it sounded like to me, and all of a sudden Jesus says, well, go sell all your possessions and go give it to the poor. And the scripture says he walked away sad. That seems so mean to me. Man, Jesus, really? Why not 50% of his possessions? Why everything? But see, Jesus knew that this rich young ruler, possessions had him. And until he was willing to give up those possessions, he would never be able to receive Jesus. Right. So it might not be possessions for you, it might be something else. But I tell you right now, you need to surrender whatever, puts, whatever is in first place in your life. And all of a sudden put that down and, and sometimes you need to put it in last place. And Jesus always remains in first place. The lead in scripture that Jesus shares to this teaching that we've been reading in Matthew chapter 6. I didn't read it here today. I read verses 25 through 33, but I want to read it for you. I don't have it on the screen. Verse 24, I just want you to listen. It says, no one can serve two masters. For either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting that, man, why did Jesus, Jesus talks so much about money and possessions in his word. Read the parables. It's like over a third of them have to deal with money and possessions. Why is that? Because he knows that's one of our struggles as human beings. Now listen to what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. Paul's kind of the mentor towards Timothy, this young pastor. And he shares to Timothy, he's writing this letter to Timothy, he says, hey, let me, let me share some thoughts with you. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may have experienced true life. In our text in Matthew 6, Jesus is not saying that we need to take a a vow of poverty. He's not saying that. Jesus is simply stating to understand your possessions are a gift from him. Always keep your possessions in proper perspective. At any time that you feel that your possessions are about your success, beware. It's not about you. It's about God. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel, remember the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt? Remember that story? And then all these plagues came, and all of a sudden... Moses comes into the scene from the burning bush, and and God says to Moses, you're going to go deliver my people. Moses, I don't want to do that, but eventually Moses says he's going to do it. He goes to Egypt. He delivers his people. They're wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And then all of a sudden there's this promise that they're they're going to be given an opportunity to go into the Promised Land, Canaan. They're going to be able to, and it says it's filled with milk and honey, which is really an idea of prosperity, abundance. It's really an idea of man. There's, this is a, going to be a place that has crops. It's going to have water. It's going to have everything you need. I'm bringing you into this Promised Land. You know what? You know the story I'm talking about. But then, when you listen to Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse seventeen, the Lord warns them. It's so good for us to hear this. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Beware. I love when I sit down with a person who's wealthy. And the first words out of their mouth, they say, I'm just so grateful to God. He has blessed me. His first, their their first sayings is to immediately say, man, God has been so good to me. He has blessed me abundantly. You know those sports guys out on TV, football players, basketball players, and all of a sudden they get in, and the first things out of their, their mouth they say, "I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." And, and I know some they get kind of criticized a lot of times. Or, well, they just you know going through the, m-. and I'm thinking, no, if I have a talent like they had, I'm going to be thanking my Lord Jesus Christ because God has given me that talent to use. And we get down on them for always. I'm thinking, no, 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 they're honoring Christ first. And they should, Amen. and we should, because God is the one who provides. See, simplicity reminds us of the basic truth of who's our provider. It's Jesus. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, states these words. He says, simplicity is the only thing that can sufficiently reorient our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us. Simplicity. Simplicity. The last thought I want to share from this passage of Scripture, and this is a short thought, so don't freak out, because I know we're 11 o'clock. Some of you are already looking at your watch. Put your watch away. Thank you, Latasha. Thank you. The last passage of Scripture is a regular subject that we find in Jesus' teachings, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. The main idea from this passage of Scripture don't allow the complications of your life to distract you from what's most important. The simplicity of Jesus' teaching is to remove the worries and the anxieties from your life so that you can focus on the kingdom of God. Living a simple life helps prioritize what's important. Again, I'm not saying that you need to live in a, or take a vow of poverty or anything that direction, or you can't own a business or seek a career or gain an education. Those are all good things. But it's realizing all those things are second to your relationship with God. As a disciple, your faith in Jesus hinges on you keeping Jesus first. Keep first things first. Nothing comes before the kingdom of God. Guess what? Even simplicity in itself, if all of a sudden we start making it this rule, and this, this law that we have to live simple lives, all of a sudden we start to worship simplicity instead of worshiping God. Anything can come in the way of God if we allow it. If you want to find joy, if you want to find freedom from worry, then keep it simple and put God first in your life. Remember, we are dependent upon God for the air we breathe. Have you ever thought about that? What happens if there's no more oxygen? We're in trouble. I'm dependent upon God for the water I drink. I'm dependent upon God for the sun that brings warmth into my body. Those are big things, if you think about them. The sun all of a sudden says, ah, I'm going to take the night off or the day, the day off. We're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? So we can put our trust in the big things, yet we don't put our trust in the little things. I'm here to declare to you today, put your trust in the little things. Trust God for every little thing. If he takes care of the birds, birds of the air, if he takes care of the lilies of the field, are you not more valuable than those? He will take care of you. See, simplicity is trusting God in all things. This is what Jesus desires for us to learn. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word does not return void. It is powerful, it is effective, and it changes lives. I pray, God, today that the word that was spoken from Matthew chapter 6, Lord, these are your words. I pray I did justice, Lord God, to speaking your word today. But most importantly, God, I pray that your word would have penetrated someone's heart and life. That it would have touched something deep inside. That it would change them, Lord God. That they would say, yeah, that's me, Pastor Tom. I need to live a more simple life because I've become so distracted with things and all the difficulties of life that all of a sudden my focus is no longer on God. My focus is on everything else but God. And if that's you here today, and you need to say, I need to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made that commitment before. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today's your day. Today is the day of salvation for us, for those who are watching online, for those here sitting. Every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If that's you here today, just raise your hand real high, high and proud. Just raise your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Anybody else? Lord, I pray today for those that have raised their hands. They want to make sure, Lord God, they're living a simple life enough to, Lord God, put you first in their life. Lord, I pray right now that everything that we do will be more focused on you. You be number one, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources.